Welcome to the Earning the Push podcast, a show by wrestling fans for wrestling fans. My name is Jack Murley. I'm a professional broadcaster joined each and every week by professional rugby player Charlie Beckett. Although after a week off, we return to the podcast energized, engaged and ready to go with your weekly dose of wrestling reaction, interaction, speculation, conjecture and everything in between. Mr. Beckett, how are we? I'm very, very well. Thank you, Jack. I think it was a good call us having a week off last week because I was away you were mad busy, and I think everyone just needed a little bit of a break. And now we're back. I know I know wrestling has no off-season, but we needed to have a one-week off-season last week, and now we're back and ready to go better than ever. We were sort of that bit over Christmas where they pre-record a SmackDown or they do a Best of Raw stuff because like, we were looking at our weeks going and just kept... kept no, there is actually no way we can do any of this. So we'll, we be, we'll be having a Miracle on 34th Street fight next. Oh, yes, that's what we need, or a Halloween-themed one. But I tell you what... What a week to have off because it all kicked off. So we've got so much to get into. The return of Brock Lesnar, more dissension between Jay, Sammy and Roman in the bloodline. The Good Brothers are back. William Regal and MJF cut a promo for the ages on Dynamite uh, this past week. But let's start with Extreme Rules. Seems a lifetime ago we were predicting the return of Bray Wyatt and the former Fiend returns to the show. The following SmackDown, he cuts the least Bray Wyatt, Bray Wyatt promo of all time, only to cut off by a mysterious voice and spooky nonsense at the end. He's back, Charlie. Bray is back. He is. First of all, I thought Extreme Rules was a good show. Yes. I enjoyed it. We probably haven't got enough time to go through the whole thing because so much happened. But all in all, I thought it was another really good pay-per-view premium live event whatever you want to call them i can't i'm so intrigued to see when they just stop being called premium live events is not a thing anymore but no thought it was another really strong showing for triple h on how he runs his pay-per-view so really really enjoyed that and then yeah i think we all knew bray Wyatt was coming back imagine if it hadn't been him imagine the whole tease had been like for bad bunny or something that would have made me laugh but it, it, he obviously came back and then on the smackdown after almost cut a promo as as the man himself didn't he as windham rotunda and, and then there was that weird bit at the end. So I'm very intrigued to see where this is going and what what Bray Wyatt character we're going to get. I, I can't believe I'm saying this. I think I'm a little bit in love with this version of Bray Wyatt. I think I'm a little bit intrigued because we needed something entirely different. And if what we're getting and what we seem to be getting, and who knows at this point, it's still early, is some version of Bray that is... Uh, a little bit just himself, but then the demons, the voices overtake him. I mean, I'm I'm up for that. That works for me. Well, there's there's a very very real story to tell, isn't there, of a man who has issues inside his own head. That there's a very real story to tell that has to be done delicately, has to be done carefully because that they are very real problems that affect very real people in very real circumstances. But told well, it could be a fascinating story, and no one has ever ever doubted the creative mind of Bray Wyatt or the in-ring talent. It's just the way his characters have been treated. Like I remember when The Fiend debuted, we were still doing our show back in Jersey. And I remember sitting in the studio with you and being like, I think this is the best new character they've come up with since The Undertaker. So things, everything Bray Wyatt's done has always started really well. It has then been how either he or WWE management or Vince have handled that character. Now, obviously, Vince isn't there anymore. The WWE management is very differently different. So this is a new character to start up for himself. Hopefully, it can have a longer run and be successful for longer. I think that's what it needs to be. And I think, 
I mean, it, it just was really intriguing because of all the ways I thought they would have Bray Wyatt address his return on SmackDown, coming out as essentially the man behind the character going, this is how I am, this is how I feel. I, I didn't see it coming, and I love it in wrestling where I don't see something coming and it feels just a bit more episodic, and WWE's doing that so well at the moment. I think there's definitely an argument for them going down some sort of almost, almost like the three faces of Foley route. But yes, do that. Bray, Bray doesn't have control over when he chooses who he's going to be. Like Foley, Foley, you knew if Foley was going into a into a, a hell in a cell, you were going to get mankind. You knew if he was going to a street fight, you were probably going to get Cactus Jack. You knew if it was a straight wrestling match, you're probably going to get Mick or Dude Love. Have that sort of story, but Bray can't control who he's going to be when he's going to be, and that could have some almost quite hilarious outcomes where he's just the complete wrong character, the complete wrong time, and some quite sinister and upsetting one. I, I think there's definitely a multi-personality disorder story to be told through Bray. And that, that would explain everything we've had with Bray Wyatt over the years. The Fiend could have been one of them. The cult leader could, could have been one of them. This this could explain everything. And you could even, after long enough, bring the Fiend back as one of them or bring the cult leader back as one of them if you needed to. But I think... There's definite possibility there. And a huge uh, voter confidence in Bray Wyatt to bring him back at the end of Extreme Rules as the focal point, and then to have him on SmackDown as the focal point as well. And what I loved is is there wasn't... They just cut him off, smack at the end. They just cut him off, and then the, the, the whatever the spooky-dooky thing's on the screen, and then he goes. And you are left wondering, going, okay... I don't know where this is going next, but I really like that. I thought it was about as well done as a Bray Wyatt return could have been. Yeah, I think it was very, very good. I um, I it made me more excited to see him again. Hopefully tonight, which is all you could ask for. Yeah, and well away from the bloodline. I like that he wasn't inserted straight into that. In fact, he wasn't inserted into any title feud. We don't really know who Bray Wyatt is feuding with, why he's there, what his purpose is for returning. So that makes me think they've got the long haul set out for him. Yeah, definitely. I don't think he almost doesn't need to interact with anyone for a few weeks. Just tell the story of Bray being back and why he's back. And there's enough fascination just around Bray himself rather than inserting him into any storyline. Particularly if he's a new character, if he's a new Bray. Here's the one thing I think he might be afflicted by, okay? I think he might have what I call Andrew Scott syndrome. You know Andrew Scott, the actor? Which one's he? He's the one who was Moriarty in Sherlock, and he was in... Oh, I know Andrew Scott. Yeah, and Scotty! I... Yeah, Andrew Scott, your mate. Andrew Scotty, Scott. yeah, Scott, Scotty. sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And every time you watch him in something, and he did it in Sherlock, and he did it in Spectre, because he was in that, wasn't he, the bomb one, and yes. you watch him, and he starts good, and you go, all right, you're starting good, but you're going to turn bad at some point. I think Bray Wyatt might get a little bit of that where we start good and we go, oh, we like this version of Bray and we know he's going to flip into the old Bray at some point, right? And I think that might be a little affliction he's got. Yeah, it's, it's you're just waiting for it to flip, aren't you? Because that's everything we've been shown before. You say Andrew Scott, he um, he always ends up being a heel. Starts yeah. facing it's like It's like Sean Bean. Sean Bean dies and everything. I saw, sorry, this is a complete tangent. I saw one of the best tweets I've ever seen was Sean Bean dies and everything he's in simply because the world is punishing him for the fact his first and second name don't rhyme. Oh, come on. Who, uh, whoever wrote that? And that was years ago I saw that. Round of applause. And, and then my favourite was, is, should he be Sean Bourne or Seen Bean? I don't know. I don't know which one would be better. I think he's got to be Sean Bourne. Sean, Sean Bourne's Bourne. quite cool. Sean Bourne, what Seen a Seen Bean is just like a statement. It's just something you've done. 
So I don't think that works. Um, look, so he is back. Bray Wyatt, we don't really know why he's back. We certainly know why Brock Lesnar's back. He's back to beat up Bobby Lashley at Crown Jewel. Um, Brock is back, and they're just brawling on Raw, and it's great. Big E will be rejoicing because it's big, meaty men slapping meat. I mean, I'm all here for this. This is just, it's not dressing up to be anything that it's not. It's not pretending to be anything that it isn't. It is what it is. We know what we're getting and they're feeding into that, and enjoy it. The one thing I don't like is I'm not a big fan of the tearaway brawls that are just so unbelievable because they get through 20 people, and they all just get through, and I, I, I don't enjoy them. I, I think there's only ever been one good tearaway brawl that I can remember, and that was actually Brock and The Undertaker for their Hell in a Cell in 2015, yeah. where he says, I'm going to kill you, and he says, you're going to have to. That's the only one I've ever enjoyed. All the others, they take me out of it a little bit because I'm like, it doesn't matter how strong you are, 20 other professional wrestlers would hold you back. Mm. You're not getting through them all. Um, so that aside, I'm really enjoying this. This match will be what it is. And I like that it's it's not even for a tight ending. Brock is just annoyed that Bobby beat him last time, so now he wants to beat him. And that makes sense. I love it. I think it's great. And I think uh, it's a great use of Brock Lesnar. It elevates Bobby, who's been in that US title picture for a little while, now has lost the belt and needs something to do. Get that match going. Put it in Saudi. It's it's going to be exactly what it is. And if you've got Brock with matches left on his contract, he can't be in the universal title picture again. There's nothing really else for him to do apart from these spectacle matches. No, you're so right. And I also think Bobby Lashley is one of the few, correct me if I'm wrong here, the few credible threats to Roman Reigns that we haven't actually seen wrestle Roman Reigns. Have we? Not that I can remember, no. Or if, if we have, we can't remember it, so we wouldn't, be, we wouldn't mind seeing it again. So having taken the US title off him and put it on Seth Rollins, who, by the way, is doing some brilliant work on Raw at the moment, and everyone's, everyone who is interacting with him is looking better for it. Moving Bobby away from the US title, and Bobby had a good US title run, mm. and I think it elevated the US title again, having it on someone who was being presented that way. It, it moves him away from that, Especially if Bobby goes over Brock, which I could see happening, by the way. I could see them really putting Bobby Lashley over, which would make George Eastwell very happy. I could see <laughs> that happening. Then you've got an instant man to insert into Universal Title Feud, because why wouldn't you? If you get to win over Brock, why wouldn't that put him in that calibre? And you've also you've got the rumble on the horizon where you can give away a title match like that, knowing that it, it's not going to sell the whole pay-per-view. Does it devalue Brock, or is Brock pretty much bulletproof? Just bearing in mind that Brock... Uh, at WrestleMania, was beaten in fairly short order by um, by Roman Reigns, and then he was beaten again at SummerSlam. Brock, Brock's bulletproof. Brock's Brock. Brock Lesnar's Brock Lesnar. The fact that he could kill any of us with a stare if he really wanted to makes it makes him bullet. Never forget, Brock got beaten by Goldberg in 17 seconds or whatever. It was a minute and 17 seconds or whatever it was, and no one talks about that anymore. Brock is Brock is on that elite level of bulletproofness, I, I, I believe. Well, from Bulletproof to Bullet Club, because the surprises kept coming on Raw, the Good Brothers are back. Carl uh, Anderson and Luke Gallows reformed with AJ Styles and heading straight into a feud with the Judgment Day. Triple H continues to go out into the market and say, ignore what Daddy Vince did to you. It's okay. Come on home. Everything's all right now. Hunter's in charge. Well, there's the fascinating part of this, isn't there, with to step away from out the ring, with Luke Gallows being the new Japan Neverweight Open Champion still. Mm. Like, that is fascinating. He's meant to be defending that the same night that Crown Jewel is. Now, I know which one he's going to be at. So I'm very interested. I'd love to see how the contracts of that worked and how that that played out. But 
yeah, it, it's brilliant, isn't it? Like all these people who we were bemoaning not getting the run they should have have come back hopefully to get the run they should. And it's a brilliant way to use them. Put them with AJ makes sense. And yeah, they would feud with the with the Judgment Day. And when Finn said, "Let me remind you, I started this stupid little club." Of course, he'd say that. Why would he ignore the fact that he started all this in Japan? It just it's just sensible booking. It makes sense. And I, I, I enjoy it. And the Judgment Day is the biggest turnaround on a group I think we've seen in a long time. They are brilliant at the moment. They were dead in the water. We were, I was saying it in particular every week on the show. Judgment Day, Edge is a heel, absolute nonsense, doesn't work. The best thing that happened to that group was Edge getting injured and Vince going. Now, the circumstances behind both of those situations, yeah. absolutely terrible. However, the silverest of silver linings on that is the Judgment Day, suddenly great, Rhea Ripley, amazing, one of the biggest superstars, again, just being treated as she should be, Dominic Mysterio, a revolution, just as this sex-crazed... I mean, he's, how old is he, would you say, Dominic Mysterio? 23, 24. So old enough to know better, but the way that... Google it. Let's find all out right, you have a little look. Because, I mean, all we can see in our head is that little blonde bleach guy who Eddie and Ray fought over, but he must be in his mid-20s, but the fact they're just portraying him as this... 25. 25 yeah. years old, Dom. Yeah, but in, in this storyline, he's just this little horn dog for Rhea, and it's, it, you know, it's a weird dynamic that works really, really, really well. Heel Finn Balor is just a joy because he's so over the top mm. that when he's screaming, he's brilliant. And Damien Priest is the brooding quiet muscle works really well. And also this week we've seen a lot and the, the judge of day one, them main roster superstars are all over NXT. Yes. All over it. It's becoming almost like a third brand. Again, you see the KO show theory pops up on NXT with his briefcase. It's, it's very interesting. What's happening in WWE right now. I want to touch um, more on that in a moment, NXT, and we've got to talk the bloodline as well. Then we'll have a break, and then we'll talk AEW, a promo for the ages between Regal and MJF. But the Royal Rumble's not too far away in the grand scheme of things. I know we've got to get through Survivor Series War Games and, and Crown Jewel and all of that. If you're Rhea Ripley and you're trying to book her, is she used better in the Women's Rumble or the Men's Rumble? Where would you put her for the biggest impact? It's a very good question, isn't it? Because does she get more of a rub from going 30, 35 minutes and being in the final three or winning the women's rumble? Or does she get a bigger rub from doing 10 minutes in the men's rumble and eliminating three or four people and getting that China Beth Phoenix sort of effect? I, I, I honestly don't know. Probably put her in the men's rumble because it's always something we talk about for years. You talk about China, talk about Beth, even... um. Nia Jax recently yeah. when, when Randy Arkenoda. That was like, weird, you, that. Do you remember? They just put her that in. That was an odd one. We just, we just did a bit of man-on-woman domestic violence that we hadn't done for ages in WWE, and then we just didn't talk about it again. It was very, very odd. Um, probably in the men's room, but I think you're right. I think there's a story to be told there when she protects Dominic Mysterio in the men's rumble and maybe she gets eliminated and Dom doesn't reciprocate and there's story. I mean, there's so much story to be had with that relationship. Um, let's talk a little bit about NXT. Obviously it was counter programming against AEW dynamite, but yeah, lots of big names turning up in NXT. And is it a demotion for Austin theory to just turn up and, and tease cashing in for the NXT title? Or was that just a bit of sizzle on an unusual NXT? I honestly think that Vince had all these plans for Austin Theory and I think Triple H has taken over and just isn't quite as hot on Austin Theory, which I completely understand. And is thinking, how does he book himself out of 
this this whole of you've got a champion who you don't want to take the belt off, but you've also got a Mr. Money in the Bank, you don't want to look weak. And the precedent's been set with when um, Charlotte Flair used her Rumble win to go against Rhea Ripley mm. in for the NXT title. Like the precedent's been set of they're treated as a world title in WWE. I think we will see Theory cashing on Bron Breaker at um, Halloween Havoc this weekend. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I think I think it doesn't devalue theory as much as it devalues the gimmick because I know we all want NXT to be the third brand it used to be, but it's not. It's not there yet. And to have that money in the bank go down to a show which, what, 675,000 watched this week? It's not big numbers. And I know it was up against stiff competition, but you don't want your money in the bank mixed up in that, do you? I, I completely understand it. I don't disagree, but what's the alternative? If you Austin Theory... Is, isn't ever and won't ever at this moment in time be the man to take the title of Roman Reigns. I fully believe that. So I don't see how you book it without making theory look like a complete job. Like the quickest way to bury people in the last 10 years WWE has been make them fail at cashing in their money in the bank. You look at the likes of Damien Sandow, Baron Corbin's still reeling from it. He failed a cash on Jinder Mahal. I truly believe he's still reeling from that. Because they're, they're still rehabbing him by putting him with everyone's favourite person, JBL. Um, so I, I I don't like it, but I think it's maybe their best bet. I got an idea. I got an idea. Of course he does. Jack always has an idea. Just come to me. This has just come to me. Who is Roman Reigns facing next for the title? Logan Paul. If you're Austin Theory and you can't beat Roman Reigns, you're pretty confident you can beat Rome, uh, Logan Paul, right? You'd hope so. So, you cash in at Crown Jewel, and you have both men down. Somehow, Logan Paul lands a lucky punch on Reigns. It looks like Logan Paul might do something. Both men are exhausted, and in comes Austin Theory, and he goes to pin Logan Paul. Long two count on Logan Paul. It's a triple threat match. Out comes Sami Zayn to destroy Austin Theory to, you know, prove himself to Roman Reigns. Reigns makes a cover on Logan Paul. Theory's failed his cash-in, Sammy's story's advanced, you get the, the money in the bank off him, and you don't damage the gimmick. How about that? Yeah, I, I can see it. Here's a niche question. Yes, we love that, as if we don't do enough niche on this podcast anyway. You're in a one-on-one match that's normal rules. Yep. It then becomes a triple threat because of the cash-in. Yep. Does that automatically become a no-DQ because triple threats are no-DQ? Yeah, I think it does. What happened at WrestleMania 31? Because that's how... No one no one tested that rule. It just said there was no one did anything that would be DQ'd. It would have to be no DQ, because triple threats are no DQ. Yeah, which also, by the way, is a wild rule, I think, that triple threats and fell forwards are just no DQ. Ah, no DQ. You just come, Why? Down, you just come down with a chair and you just smash yeah. everyone and just go, no DQ. Yeah. Sorry, lads. No DQ, lads. There's three of us. So we mentioned the bloodline there. It continues to be awesome. We continue to see dissension between Jay, Sammy and Roman. And Jay being on the back burner for a little while in this, suddenly showing those doubts that we had in the Thunderdome era. Fantastic long-term storytelling and callbacks. Oh, Jay actually helped Sammy and no one saw. And it's just perfect. Because now, why would he do it again? It's just perfect. This is, oh, it's, you never want to say till you see the payoff, but so far they haven't really put a foot wrong with this. It's just building nicely. And what it does so cleverly is Roman doesn't need to be on the show, but he still has such an effect on the show. But then when he is there, it feels like a really special event. But the show isn't hurt for him not being there 
because he's still involved in the story. Like, listening to Sami Zayn on the phone to Roman Reigns. And by the way, I like to imagine he's actually on the phone to Roman Reigns. I like to imagine they've actually got Roman to ring him up. That's my favourite thing to think, that Roman's actually on the other end of that phone. But you hear him, it says, and also Sami Zayn is clearly having the time of his life trying to make those three brothers laugh. Yes. He just, and you saw one that I saw a clip with Solo the week, because Solo is obviously the big tough enforcer of it, and he's trying so hard, and right at the end, Sammy does it, he just starts sniggering, and they just can't help it. So here's a question. Has there been a stable in the past 30 years that has been as good at elevating talent as the bloodline has been? Because look what the bloodline has got over. It's got over the Usos, it's got over Sammy, it's got over Solo, I can't think of another stable that has so effectively elevated everyone involved. You could look at Evolution, but Flair and Triple H were already over. I mean, anything else that's been as good as quickly? Evolution was going to be my only argument because that made Randy and Batista, who then became two of the biggest stars the next 10, 15 years. Mm. That was going to be my only only answer. But to get mid-carders in the Usos and Sammy up to genuine main event level as quickly as they have. I don't think so. And to bring in someone new in solo. And then to take one of the most divisive figures in wrestling and just make him undisputedly the most revered thing in wrestling now. Like, we love him. Even though he's a heel, we're meant to hate him. Everyone appreciates how just bloody good he is at what he does now. I don't think anything's had this effect. I don't. Think, I can't think of a single thing that has changed the perception of a wrestler as unanimously as Roman Reigns coming back and going with Paul Heyman and this bloodline version of him. Let's talk AEW then. And there was so much that went on on this week's AEW Dynamite. I actually think, even though it was a Tuesday edition, it was one of the strongest AEW Dynamites in a long time. Uh, We'll talk about uh, MJF and William Regal in a tick, but first let's remind ourselves that wrestling isn't play-acting. Wrestling is very serious stuff. A really scary moment at the end of Jon Moxley against Hangman Adam Page's world title match. Uh, Luckily, from what we understand, Hangman Adam Page is fine after the match was flagged off, after he took a nasty fall after a big lariat clothesline, uh, and, and the match had to be called off. We haven't seen that in a little while, Charlie, and it was a scary this time round, as it was the last time we saw it. Is yes, I got caught very off guard. I, I hadn't realised Dynamite was Tuesday this mm. week. So I woke up Wednesday morning and was on social media and just saw loads of prayers and thoughts for Hangman. I was like, oh, what's happened in his personal life? Then realised it was the show on Tuesday night. I thought, oh, what's happened? Saw the clip and it's very scary because the scariest thing is it's not from a bump that's quote-unquote particularly risky. It's a bump we see a lot. It's a lariat that then... It's one of my favourite. It's one of my favourite dressers do when they sell a lariat by flipping. Yeah. I think it's so clever. It's so cool. It's such a good spectacle. And it's actually when you see, the, I don't know if you've seen it, the reverse angle from behind marks, you see exactly how Hangman lands. It's right on the corner of his head, right on his temple. And I thought, I saw him, I was like, oh, he's done something really bad to his neck there. Mm. I was like, and you see how he's stretched out and they take the ropes off. I was like, I think he's done something to his neck. And thankfully it seems his neck is okay. And, the, the the major injury um, is a concussion. And I've seen people say, oh, thank God, it's just a concussion. I do get that thought, but there's nothing just about a concussion. A concussion is a huge injury, and I've seen concussions end careers. We I've seen to, that a lot in our sport. Yeah, we need to talk more seriously about concussions. I know you're a big advocate for it, but look at 
Adam Cole was concussed yeah. in in that four way at Forbidden Door, and he almost, from my memory, had the same sort of reaction to it. It, it was it was like a you know, like a stinger, like a broken neck. That was how he... Concussions are serious, serious, serious business. And so anyone... I get why you're saying just, because the man can walk and get up and go yeah. about his business. However, as you say, it is no joke. No, no, not at all. And we haven't seen Adam Cole since. So Adam Cole's obviously reading from a very serious concussion because concussions are simple when it comes to coming back from the fact that once you're symptom-free for a certain amount of time, you can come back. They, they don't have... They're not like you can be symptom free from a hamstring tear, but it's still niggly sometimes. I mean, the concussions are black and white. You're symptom free, you can come back once you've done the protocol. If you're not symptom free, you can't. If you're still having symptoms months and months after, that is a serious brain injury. So you've got to hope that Adam Cole is is on on the mend and hopefully back soon. You've got to hope that Hangman doesn't suffer too seriously from um, concussion symptoms for too long. But very very scary. But huge huge props to everyone involved with AEW the way they handled it. It was just done very professionally, wasn't it? You saw the ref just flag it off straight away. The medics were straight in, the doctor. It was just done completely in the right way. Yeah, absolutely. And anyone who's moaning about the end of Dynamite, which was a little ragged, and they were clearly riding a bike without stabilizers at that point. I have been on shows where things go wrong and you suddenly have time to fill. And it's, it is a horrible feeling. And I actually thought they got themselves out of it very very well all things considered because they're about eight minutes shy of the top of the hour eight minutes of tv time to fill when one of your colleagues and friends is lying in the ring and you don't know what's going on is a nasty position to be in i thought they got themselves out of it really well and all credit to them for that yeah and you think in that commentary team they don't know that hangman isn't suffering a broken neck they don't know that he's not just suffered genuine life-changing injuries so they they have to fill time while trying to keep everyone calm while not panicking themselves about probably a very good friend. It seems like Hangman Adam Page is a very popular man in AEW. They've got to make it out that a very good friend of theirs isn't very, very seriously injured. And also, this is an industry where, let us not forget, people have died in the ring. So it's not out of the question that he could be having life-threatening injuries in there. Taz has lived it, Charlie. Taz has been in that position. Yeah. And it's, it's an incredibly difficult position to be in. I thought they handled it as well as you could expect them to. I also thought the build, one of our criticisms of uh, Dynamite has been main events don't feel main event worthy and title matches don't feel big. I thought the whole title Tuesday gimmick was great. I loved we suddenly had moving graphics on Dynamite. I was a big mm, fan out of Out of nowhere. I was just like, hello, boys. This is this is good. I'm liking some of this. I thought all the video packages were great. I thought that was excellent. Um, sadly, all of that has been overshadowed by a promo the ages between William Regal and MJF. Let's get into it. Charlie, in everything you've seen in AEW since you've been watching, how good was that? Put it at the very top tier of wrestling promo segments ever. It's just perfect. It's brilliant because both men know exactly what their characters are. They know exactly who they are. They know exactly how they speak to each other, and they do. And you could tell there was realism in everything MJF was saying. He did feel awful, suicidal when WWE turned him down. And of course, he'd hold Regal responsible for that because Regal was head of recruitment in WWE at that time. So of course he would. And of course he'd have that passion and that power in his promo. And of course people will get behind that because you tell me anyone in life who hasn't been turned down by the big corporate machine at some point in their life, at some point. I know I have been. Big rugby clubs haven't wanted to sign me. 
you know what I mean? So everyone, everyone can get on board with that. There are very few people who have always been told yes in life. So everyone get on board with that. So of course he got cheered. Of course, and the way he sold it, the way he said it. And then Regal, he just doesn't get rattled, does he? He's so calm. So And he knows that MJF is putting the ring on to hit him. And he has his hands out, ready to be hit. And when he says at the end, you've got so much left to prove. Oh, just, I, I could, I've watched it about four or five times. I could watch it four or five hundred more. It's just brilliant. There's so much to love about it. I loved, you have to have a good dance partner in these things. MJF is one of the best on the mic. And what I loved was the way Regal was just looking at him. This mix of curiosity and intrigue and respect and fear, but also, I, I just, astonishing. Just astonishing. And what I love is that Regal came back and the crowd had turned on Regal because you would and Regal straight away going, I don't care what you were doing at 19. Look at what I was doing at 16. And and is this the best William Regal we've seen in years? And we loved NXT William Regal. But is this version of William Regal the best? This is a great William Regal because he just gets to do a little bit more than just... He's not just running it. He's not just having to be impartial. He can be a little bit be like, yeah, I'm I'm William Regal. And I did this, this, and this. So you will you will respect because actually I'm a bit of a badass myself. Like it, yeah, it's a very very good William Regal. I just it always makes me sad that he can't shout war games. He'll shout blood and guts again. Uh, yeah. We've already had it once. I mean, what I love, and we are going to bang on about this a bit. If if you if you're listening to this, you'll have seen it. On the off chance you're listening to this and you haven't seen it, go and watch it. What I loved about it was the depth. We're beginning to add to MJF's character. We're beginning to see why this guy is consumed with hate. And we saw it on the, the Dynamite from Toronto where we had him backstage saying, I had to be the devil because no one was giving this guy a chance. And you're beginning to think, all right, he's not just a prick because he's a prick. He's a prick for these reasons. Are we getting a face turn? Very slowly, we might be getting a face turn in the fact that people understand why he's like that. He's never going to be hustle, loyalty, respect. He's never going to be out there in the bright caps and the, and the headbands. But, yeah, people are starting to understand it, and it's the right time to do that because people want to cheer him because he's so good, and that's what happens in wrestling. You get too good as a heel and people want to cheer you. It's hard to keep people booing you. I thought for the first time ever on Twitter, we saw him be a real person with the uh, prayer and thoughts to Hangman, he then was incredible. When it came out that Hangman was okay, he then just trashed him. I, I think he just said, what a waste of a tweet, the idiot's okay, or something like that. I've noticed, and because and MJF's so good, you begin to notice little things. I've noticed him pointing at the crowd a little bit more. I've noticed him interacting a little bit more. And this is going to sound high praise, He's almost entering that Ric Flair territory, as you say. Not, not in anywhere near the tenure, what he's, what he's done, but where he's so good at being bad, as you say, people don't care. They just yeah. want to see MJF on their TV screens, and that is an asset. If you've got a guy who people just say, whatever else happens, I want to see what's going on with M- MJF, then you're in business. And episodically, if they can keep that going week to week to week, we're going to tune into Dynamite next week because we want to know the next stage of Regal MJF. AEW have done this to us before. They've had a red-hot angle, and they've sort of dropped it, or they've left it for a week. If you were Tony Khan, give me a storyline that builds like that week to week to week, and you will be fine. It's almost got to come full circle of 
All MGF actually wants, he doesn't realise right now, but all he wants is Regal's approval. And it almost comes to him screaming, why aren't I good enough for you? Or something like that. And then Regal almost take him... It's like the the son wanting the father's approval that he can never get. Do you know what I mean? I, there's, a, there's a really interesting story to tell here. And wrestling's the best when there's stories. And how do you get William Regal's approval? Do you get it by duffing him up? Does, does MJF, with a tear in his eye, after weeks of being goaded by Regal, have to take out the brick? Does he have to take him down? And does he just end a dynamite with a scene of a bloodied, battered William Regal looking at MJF and nodding with respect? Is that what you see? Something like that, yeah. Because, there's, oh, there's just... Uh, that's I love exciting. it. There's, there's a lot of soap opera in this, isn't there? It's brilliant. And here's what I don't... Here's, here's how what, ex- sorry, how exciting is wrestling at the moment? Oh, it's fantastic. It is just, fantastic. Just, it's so good. And here's what I cannot believe. This isn't the storyline that AW had planned this summer. When when MJF came back, the plan was clearly for punk MJF. And on the fly, they've had to look at all the ingredients in their kitchen and go, what the hell are we cooking now? Because the, the steak's gone bad, the ketchup's gone off. This is, what the hell are we what making? Were you, what were you cooking with steak and ketchup? I'm vegetarian, I don't know. Yeah, can we tell that you're a vegetarian? <laughs> Some sort of steak ketchup. Ah, we'll go over to the hotel fancy. Ah, just the classic steak and ketchup, please. Just the steak and ketchup broth. Is that not a thing? Um, and so, but you know what I mean. M, uh, Tony Khan has had to rejig on the fly, and he's done an amazing job. And I'm not sure anything he could have done with Punk and MJF would have been as, as compelling as this. And we talk about it every week. Didn't John Moxley show his worth in the ring? At that moment, eight minutes of TV time to fill, and there he is. He's your guy. He's who you want there. Yeah, he's your, he's your consummate pro, isn't he? He's just your man. And now he's brought his wife along as well. Yes, Renee Paquette goes to AEW. Perhaps not a surprise, but instantly those backstage segments are better. And it's just great to see Renee back. She's so good. I saw she's doing a um, weekly sort of behind-the-scenes podcast with the Cincinnati Bengals NFL team as well, which suddenly has me interested in the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm a massive Cowboys fan, but she's just so good. She makes you more interested in everything she does. Every interview she gives... She makes the person more interesting. She makes you want to know more about who she's interviewing, which surely is the the job of an interviewer. Yeah. And wouldn't you want to just go on a night out with her and John Moxley? Oh, my God. I'm not sure you'd survive. Just what a couple they would be. So it's great to see her there. One final thing on MJF Moxley, right? We've spoken over the summer about how that AW world title has played hot potato. It's gone from punk to interim, back to Moxley, back to punk. Now it's on Moxley again. Do we need another title change? Does it matter if the title change we get next is putting it on MJF? Do you have to pull the trigger now or do you want to keep that story going? Because they're set to fight at full gear. I think you can slow build, but full gear is how long away? I think we're in November for full gear. So bear in mind, it's only tail end of October now. It's not that long. If you could drag it to another show, maybe. But does, does Regal turn on Mox if MJF wins his respect to help him win the title? Oh, oh, no. Does he? Does Does Regal turn on Mox or does Mox turn on Regal? If you're doing a double turn... Oh, I don't know. So if, if, if let's play this through, if MJF wins a title and he's going babyface and he's getting the respect of William Regal to do it along the way, if you're John Moxley and you see your mentor respecting your opponent, don't you deck your, your mentor? Do we do a double turn? Or do, is the turn that Regal goes full heel and MJF doubles down actually being a heel with Regal, and they Regal costs Mox the title. 
This is the geekiest of geeky earning the pushes we've ever done, and we love it. Look, the best. Can you tell we've been away for a week and we haven't done this for a week? The best thing is we will know as we follow it along. AEW, don't let us down. Just keep us going with this storyline. You've you've hit gold with it. Anyway, look, let's do everyone's favorite part of the podcast. Let's send something from everyday life that we hate back to developmental, and let's send something we love uh, to the moon by giving it the push. Charlie, first or second? I go first. Two very simple ones for me today. Go for it. Um, I've actually got props, I've just realised. I was going to say, you, you were looking my... around. Well, I know I had one, and I've just spotted another one, which we'll get to that. But for Earning the Push, um, one of my favourite TV shows I haven't watched, uh, watched in lockdown is Suits. I think Suits is brilliant. Yes. And I've got my You Just Got Lit Up mug here. <laughs> um, and I think Lewis Lit is actually the greatest character in all of TV. Why? The Take most... me on that journey. Just the most layered and complex and well-written character there's ever been. You go for it. There's never a character I've watched that I've so quickly gone from hating to feeling so much sympathy for to hating again. And genuine hate. He'll do something that you're actually like, I would genuinely want to put you six feet under if you did that to me. But then the same episode, you'd be like, oh my God, you're such a damaged man. And I feel so sorry for you. And I just want to give you a hug. I think he's a geniusly written character and played superbly and the unsung hero of a brilliant TV show. We got into Suits a lot during uh, the pandemic when you had nothing else to do, and I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great, but I like Harvey. Is Harvey Harvey Specter? Harvey Specter's also brilliant. There's there's some brilliant characters, but Lewis Litt is my guy. Yeah, I I get that, although I do watch it. I know it's called Suits, and I I, I count my lucky stars every day. I'm not in a job where I have to wear a suit every day. If you're listening... If you're a listener who does have to do that, God love you and apologies. But one of the reasons I, I didn't want to ever do telly properly is that suits every day. No, nah, not for me. Not for me. No, thank you. The trouble is, we came to it when she was already the Duchess of Sussex. So every yes, time we were watching it, same. we'd just go like, Harry's wife, Prince Harry's yeah, wife. Yeah, same, same, same. It, it makes you watch it differently. But great show, B.A. Lewis Litt's my favourite. And then back to developmental. Yes, please. Is simply, I'm a man who likes routine, likes order. I like things going where they live. Things in my house have a place. Okay. I tell you what, in any house I've lived in, with anyone I've ever lived with, no one seems to understand that this thing has a place and should always be put back in their place. And I'm going to, there is a pair of them on this desk that shouldn't be there now. I'm going to pick them up and show you. Okay. Why does no one put scissors away? Well, scissors, scissors are free Ever. spirits. Scissors can live where they want. No, scissors live in the cutlery drawer with the knives. No, scissors live in your stationery drawer. Well, these scissors are the desk scissors, and that's fine. Why are they not in the pot to the left of this laptop where they should have? They are now. Okay. I went to I went to open a packet yesterday, and I opened the drawer, and I was like, well, shock, the scissors aren't in there. But then the scissors weren't automatically on the side. I couldn't find the scissors for 12 minutes. They were down the side of the sofa. Why were the scissors down the side of the sofa? Well, that sounds like an attempt on your life, to be honest. The fact the scissors are down the side of the sofa yeah, could have ended very now badly. Very no, I I okay. So hypothetically, um, I am someone who does not pair their socks up. Oh my god! So for me, socks. All well, hang you- on, what do you mean you don't pair them up? Like, what, what? What? Like, are you wearing random socks, odd socks? Now I, I wear odd socks all the time. Oh my god! I sometimes I'll wear a red sock and a blue sock. Sometimes I'll wear uh, a little pop sock and another sock. Socks are just things for the feet. They don't have to match. You're a straight up psychopath. They don't have to match. They... You're straight up psychopath. And my boyfriend. Sorry. Gets... Would you wear? Wear? Would you like wear one like train out sock that like is a train liner and then a normal sock? So you've got different level of sockness on your feet. Sure. Why not? 
Oh my god! The feet are covered. That is a job of the sock. That is that is absolutely fine. I get angry if my other half loses one of my like. I don't. I'm not very good at letting her do my washing if she if she offers to. <laughs> right. Because if I get the washing out the basket, I have to make sure that there's an even number of socks going into the wash oh so that they can be paired to go in my drawer. No, because you know you will have enough socks to last you till the next wash, and so you know they'll come good eventually. Oh, this has upset me so much about you. When we moved house uh, a couple of uh, times ago, because we've moved a fair bit, my boyfriend uh, actually couldn't do anything until he paired up all the socks properly because i just thrown them in a bag, and he was like, before anything else, I have to pair the socks. He's honestly my kind of guy. How have I known you now? What what have we known each other? Three what years? years? 20, 20, about four years now I've known you. How have I not known that you're planning my murder? Because clearly you are. Because you're an out-and-out psycho. I just think people look at me and they go, okay, Jack's the rigid one. Jack's the, you know, the the fuss bucket. No, no, no. I am the free spirit. It's Charlie Beckett who is the the one who is rigid with his routines. But you're an athlete. You have to be, I suppose. So that sort of makes sense. Um, Right, for me, earning the push uh, are food bank volunteers. I had reason to visit a food bank this week uh, without getting into the politics of any of it. Uh, I think anyone who volunteers at a food bank gives their time uh, somewhere like that in really difficult circumstances deserves a huge pat on the back we just for whatever reason in 2022 it seems to just go under the radar that food banks are there and we just accept they're there they're only there because of the volunteers and they wouldn't be there without the volunteers so a big up to all the food bank volunteers out there I think is my one today yep as you say don't get into the politics of it because if we get into the politics of this country right now we'll be here forever um, let's just say that's one of the reasons we didn't do a show last week is yes, why we suddenly yes. became busier and busier and busier Yes. The fact that we need food banks is a very, very sad thing. But as you say, we do need them. And thank God they're there for the people who do need them. And they're there because people will give up their time to help other people and never, ever take for granted the uh, the generosity of others. Because if you do take it for granted when you then need it, it's not there. So brilliant. Big up the food volunteers. And then back to developmental, the food shamers, in particular, the people in my office this week who I opened a pack of prawn cocktail crisps in the office and I was sent out of the office into the production room of the studio. And then from the studio, I had to go and sit in a special hermetically sealed bit of the studio, just me on my own, because people couldn't stand the smell of prawn cocktail crisps. So I'm a considerate man, but I do not believe prawn cocktail crisps are so stinky, you shouldn't be allowed to eat them around other people. So food shamers are going back to developmental. I'm not sure they're shaming you for the food there, though. It's simply the smell being a quite horrible smell. It's very unfriendly in the office it's fine in the office it wasn't like i was microwaving a fish curry it was a bag of own brand prawn cocktail crisps i think these are absolutely fine it sounds like you're very much in the minority the whole office banished you it was it was lit it was like i set off a small tactical nuke they were absolutely livid only a small one only just a small small nuke but honestly the bag opened and everyone and i think it's fine i mean it wasn't like i was eating boiled eggs or or you know scampi fries yeah actually we um we obviously drive two hours there and back train three of us in my car from Cheltenham, and um, last week one of the lads I won't name who it was um, just popped a boiled egg out in the car from Good his protein. bag, and we just went no that's no not in the car we're not having boiled eggs. So no. what did you do once it's out? It's out. Well, he he was allowed to eat that one, but he won't. He was not allowed again. No. How many boiled eggs does this boy have with him? Well, that day he only had one and he'll never have another one ever again in my car. 
is what we learned. I just think um, here's tolerant. the big thing though. I don't think prawn cocktail crisps are particularly nice. No, I don't normally, but they were the only crisps we had in the house, so I thought I had to go for them. Um, and remarkably, they are vegetarian. I mean, check, but most of them are vegetarian. Most of your beef yeah, ones are. I saw my sister, who's vegetarian, eating beef yep. crisps the other day. And it's- I was like, how are you doing that? And she's like, there's actually no beef in them. And bacon, that, yeah. that baffled me. Bacon frazzles, veggie. Yeah, mad. But for a while, cheese and onion crisps weren't veggie. So, well, Percy pigs aren't, are they? So that confuses me. No, they all are now. They've changed them all. Sorry, they are now, but they weren't for a while, were they? We've never ever got the signal that we needed to wrap up more than the fact we've just done two minutes on what foods may or may yeah. not be vegetarian. Honestly, if you're still listening to the podcast at this point <laughs> for the wrestling, fair play. Thinking, are they going to get play. back to the wrestling? All right, we are. Uh, so for next week, uh, we've set this hair running. Let's see where we go with it. Is the bloodline the best stable? ever when it comes to elevating all the members of it uh, if you like what we do here and we're so grateful you do rate review subscribe wherever you listen he's charlie underscore beckett i'm and Jack. if you don't like it you've clearly got no taste yes i like this a new aggressive <laughs> sorry i don't know what's going on with me today have we entered the attitude era of earning the push i've never interrupted your outro ever and i don't know why it popped my head there i was like have a go at the fans. I like it. I like it. Uh, he is Charlie underscore Beckett, rinsing you. I am Jack underscore Murley, sitting quietly and letting him do it. Uh, Charlie, are we going to see more Bray Wyatt on SmackDown? If so, what does he do? Little by little or a big splash tonight? Uh, I think we will absolutely see more of him. I think little by little. I think for the next three or four weeks, we're not really going to be sure what's happening. And then there'll be a big splash of something in a month. So months or time or something like that. Whatever happens, we'll be talking about it here on Earning the Push. But for now, we are out of time. On behalf of a fired up Charlie Beckett and Jack Murley, thanks for listening and we'll see you again down the road. Bye-bye. 